Support for the show comes from Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, and more. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes, buy all the stocks in a theme as is, or customize to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who wishes toxic masculinity had side effects, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power, change, and the people you need to know around the tech industry. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Liz Plank, a journalist here at Vox Media who hosts the show Consider It on Facebook and co-hosted the podcast The Divided States of Women. She's also the author of a new book called For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity. Wow, that is, Liz, that is a handful mm, of a book name. Mouthful, I know. I got to say, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so introduce yourself. You, you, we yeah. work together, yes. sort of. Uh, well, I'm your fangirl. Every right. time I, I see you somewhere in yeah. the box office, I just have paralysis. Do you, do I ignore you properly? Um, yes, you do. I walk right and, by. I'm yes, very exactly. Busy. And it makes me feel very special. Good. Um, okay. And uh, like I'm one of the chosen ones. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan. You are number one on my on, on my right. dream list. Okay. And so right. I, I was so thrilled that you wanted to talk about the book. All right. Enough kissing up. All right. It's the truth. I hope I ignore you properly because I always say to my assistant, "Who is that?" No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't have an assistant. All these people is interesting. Can can we? I was yeah. doing something with someone, and they're like, uh, "Let's let's have your staff meet my staff." I'm like, Ooh. "You're meeting my staff." Mm. Kara Swisher is my. I'm I an excellent that. assistant. Whole team. Although I have a great team uh, on the podcast mm. uh, who works on stuff like that, but they're none of them are my assistants, nor mm. often do anything for me like that. Um, so let's talk about your background. You started off at Mike, or I did. Explain, which is now gone. Gone. RIP. Good move to Fox yes, Media. I'm now very happy. Now owner <laughs> of New York. Magazine. Yes, as of this morning. That means I am going to be double the trouble, which is great. I'm excited. So, uh, so anyway, so go into your background. You, yes. you started off, how did you get to Mike? And explain Mike for people who don't remember Absolutely. It, I'm trying to forget it. Yes. Um, so I have a, I was doing my master's in London um, mm-hmm. in gender theory, and then I uh, had in a- In gender theory. In gender, yes. Uh, so I have always been sort of a gender nerd um, mm-hmm. and very interested in that field. And I started- Did you in college? Is that what you- Yes. So I did, I was a women's studies major and- an international development major mm-hmm. for the money, I mm-hmm. joke. Um, and then I moved uh, to, yeah, the London School of Economics mm-hmm. um, to do a master's there. And that's where actually the first time I wrote an article, it was the 2012 Olympics. Mm-hmm. They were going to have female boxing for the very first time at the Olympics. And they wanted to force the women to wear skirts in the ring. Mm. And they uh, justified this because they wanted those female athletes to look, quote, elegant. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, tweeted out to my 39 you know, Twitter followers, I can't believe how outrageous this is. And I've always been an athlete, and I was boxing at the time, and so I was very angry about that. Started a petition, wrote an article, and it got published in the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. And then that was sort Perfect of the beginning. Yes. Uh, I cannot believe this, but exactly. what do the skirts look like? Exactly. Well, it's pretty, I mean, for, for everything the Huffington mm-hmm. Post, you know, is known for now, it was the first place that I was able to write. And, yeah, and yeah I didn't yep. get paid, but I was just a student at the time. I was a research assistant. Um, you just were angrily 
literally shaking your was, fist exactly. at the internet. Right. And right. I and that was I I it opened my eyes because at the time I was like, oh maybe I'll do a PhD, maybe I'll go work mm-hmm. in government. And then I was like, oh wow, this social media thing is a thing. Oh, and by the way, the decision was overturned. So mm-hmm. the, the campaign was successful. Mm-hmm. And so I moved to New York. I started working as an intern. I was mm-hmm. the 10th employee at Mike, and I was a feminist blogger. That was my official Explain title. Mike was. Mike was a media company that was founded by Jake Horowitz and Chris Alchek. They were, at the time, sort of this idea of a conservative and a Democrat coming together, and it was a media company for and by millennials. So, right, right. Um, so the concept was at the time, yes. and I remember having lunch with them. I was like, millennials don't read any different <sighs> than regular people. Right. I was, I was, I argued about this, because I think, mm. I, I, you know, because he was saying millennials want it differently. I'm like, do they? Right. Is it so? Is right. that the way? I mean, slightly differently, obviously, you know, quicker, faster kind of thing, but the idea of snackable content and small mm. content, some of it was quite good and yeah. innovative. It just was building an entire company on and around. It was sort of problematic. Right. And, I mean, what happened is we all built this around the Facebook model, right? Mm-hmm. 2013, we were getting all these views, and uh, and we built—I, uh, you know, helped build the video team there, and we had a very successful uh, video series called Flip the Script. We got 33 million views in right. our first season. Yeah, so talk about that, because that's yeah. where you sort of just popped onto the scene. Yeah. And, and, and it's happened several times. There was one company that CBS bought uh, where they had Wall Street something or other. It, it was They get popular yes. and then don't, actually, right. which is interesting. But you flip the script was very suddenly like, whoa. And yeah. it did show new ways to deliver video and information to people yeah. and fresh and exciting. And yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but there was a show called West 57th years ago from uh, CBS or one of them, and they had all the young reporters. And one of them was Someone who's not young anymore, but it was really funny that all the young reporters and a lot of the beginning of the yeah. of the show was people running down the street to get to the newsroom, and that's their yeah, that's their version of young. So it's not like Maury Safer; you don't want him to do that, but because he could break a hip. But uh, but it was funny they'd run down and they'd get to the newsroom. They'd be like, "We're here to report." I'm like, "Who does that?" I remember being a young reporter. I'm like, "I never run down the newsroom no. to the newsroom to the Washington Post." Right? You're just on your phone. Yeah, and exactly. Just crunchy just boring and eating. Yeah, safe, ramen noodles. But but, but you did have what, what do you think? Worked with Flip the Script because it really did get a lot. Yeah. You got some. You got some great interviews mm-hmm. and everything like that. What do you think was the appeal of it? I think on a personal level, mm-hmm. I'd never done video before. I'd never done digital video before, mm-hmm. and we really approached this as as beginners. Mm-hmm. And I was working, though, with a production team that was amazing and mm-hmm. incredibly talented, mm-hmm. would come from Vox, actually. Yeah. That was yeah. the whole That's story right. at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Regina, uh, Sam Thonas, B- Billy Disney, still my some of my closest friends and, mm-hmm. and collaborators, they were just brilliant. Yeah. And the great thing, too, was that Mike was a jungle gym. Truly, right. it was, with all the difficulties of the media at the time, going in there felt like going to high school right. and being given projects and being like, just run with it. Right. And so and we were given a lot. too. You did characters. I did do, yes, I was given a lot of creative freedom to tell stories in a, in a sort of strange, curious way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and especially talk about really serious topics like racism, uh, Islamophobia, sexism, mm-hmm. in a way that was funny, mm-hmm. in a way that didn't make people sort of, you know, the whole point of everything that I do is really to disarm people mm-hmm. and instead of running away from conversations that they really need to be talking about, making it accessible and comfortable and maybe even fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, racism is never fun, let's be clear. No, <laughs> racism no. is not fun. Right. Um, but Neither if is you homophobia. Make, uh, of course, but the, but the conversation— you were, trying to, you were trying to do it in a, a way that was uh, it was interesting to watch. It was always interesting to watch. I remember thinking, these are interesting. And then you got hired by Vox. I did, yes, right. for the 2016 election. Right. Um, I uh, created uh, the show with Joe Post 
Posner um, called 2016-ish, mm-hmm. and our first interview with, with was the Prime Minister of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, that was we started that was real a great hard. interview. Oh well, thank you. That was a great interview. Thank you I so much. That whole thing. Thank I you. That was interesting. Thank you were in like you. a cafe. We were. Yeah, I'd love to know what you'd say to him right now. A, but go ahead. yeah, there's um, a lot. A lot has changed. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we did it at My Land, which is a Montreal-owned mm-hmm. um, restaurant in the East Village. And and yeah, before I even knew how the printers worked, I remember I had to write this article about our interview being interrupted by people begging him to run for president, mm-hmm. begging the prime minister to run for president. And yeah, that was the first, you know, of many episodes where we were on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, go to Trump Tower and ask Donald Trump questions mm-hmm. and and really, I think, have a pivotal perspective mm-hmm. on the election. Mm-hmm. And again, we got to do some pretty wacky things right. um, that, that a lot of people sort of didn't feel that they could take a risk doing. Right. And then you yeah. started the show uh, aimed at women. You're, yes. So explain that. So you were doing that, and then you did uh, the podcast Divided States of Women, and, and Consider It was had a lot of those topics. Yes. Yeah. It, both of the last shows that, that mm-hmm. I've done at, at, at Vox Media have really been, again, in the interest, I think, of these very difficult conversations that we're having is to, to not just be in our bubble mm-hmm. and to be talking with other progressives about how they feel, mm-hmm. but really, you know, reaching out across the aisle, that sort of super basic mm-hmm. uh, cliche saying, but 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 that actually is is incredibly important right now. Mm-hmm. So Divided States of Women, I co-hosted uh, this with Heatha Herzog, a really good friend of mine who's a Republican, mm-hmm. and, and we sort of would have conversations right. about a ton of things. And right. we sort of like the view. Exactly. And we started realizing why aren't more people maybe uh, having these conversations and maybe if we were able to have these conversations it would encourage other people um, as well and so and then it turned into a Comcast video series which was super fun of mm-hmm. traveling across the country and even uh, in our last episode going to Iceland mm-hmm. um, where I tried to go save men and mm-hmm. uh, they did not want to be saved from feminism <laughs> shockingly I know. they like uh, parental leave yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know all the welfare yeah, yeah. <laughs> that comes with living in the most feminist country on earth mm-hmm. so um, and then yeah consider it was Sort of a you know a follow up to that show with mm-hmm. Facebook, who was again interested in uh, hosting these civil quote unquote conversations, mm-hmm. and we just closed out with Cory Booker coming into the studio doing a TikTok with us, mm-hmm. the microwave challenge. Oh Have you heard God. about that? No, what is we're it? doing it later. No, um, we're not. We're you know what I want to do with you? Hundred percent. I want to do the I straight do no face challenge because no. then you don't have to. No. This is perfect for you. No. You okay? Great. Perfect. I'm not going to do well, any challenge. I did one time. I did the ice bucket. You did because Jennifer Beals got me oh. to do it. Okay, who, so uh, can I get her phone number so no. she can ask you to do no, it? No, just only Jennifer Beals will I listen to. And I even <laughs> didn't want to do it, but I did it. And I, just, and I felt bad afterwards. You, I'm not a challenge doer. Okay, gotcha. You create right. your own challenges. What is, t- explain your challenges. What is the new one? Well, the straight face challenge is basically I have to make you laugh. Um, so you stare straight into the camera and you mm-hmm. are not to laugh or smile. And I do all kinds What's of stuff around for? you. It's just a TikTok trend. Right. Okay, um, I hate TikTok. I know. Well, I thought that that's how we could end the TikTok with like breaking the fourth I wall and you being like, TikTok, you own all our data in China and you're yelling at me and I feel like that's on brand. Okay, we could do that. But, all right, so no, we're not going to do that in any way. Not at all. Put that in the notes. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) If I leave here, I'm taking my son to get his driver's license. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that's huge. That's the Louis Swisher challenge. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Can he actually pass his driving test, his his physical driving test? Um, So, uh, and then the other challenge, I'm sorry. Uh, The microwave challenge. So that's where you basically, it's, I would have to show you, but you lean on your hand and you're sitting on the ground and you turn your hand, hand and your entire body starts moving. And with the angle of the camera, it looks like you're you're just 
on a microwave, uh, you know, tray. And I did it with Who Cory Booker. Who comes up with this crap? Who knows? A you lot got of kids, a presidential candidate to do this? Please stop. I did. It's like the I Bill did. Clinton. Ever since Bill Clinton answered questions about his underwear or whatever, oh, it's gone downhill. It's gone downhill. But I, okay, sure. Right. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna leave you to that. Okay. To do those questions. Okay. I'm not going to do those. I did not get Pete Buttigieg to do a challenge. Well, that's why we need you. Okay. Um, All right. So here's the deal. So you <laughs> so you did these things, but you're, you, you, you've had an ongoing, the thematic parts of your your stuff has been towards around uh, gender yes. politics, essentially yeah. gender politics, gender issues, and yeah. stuff like that. So, what got you to write the book? What was the yeah? So impetus. Look, I, this was I started writing this book four years ago. So mm-hmm. this was pre-Trump, pre Trump, uh, pre you know the world was uh, very different, and I was literally having ramen with my sister mm-hmm. in uh, the East Village, and we were looking at the menu, <laughs> and um, she was dealing menu. with menu. I know a man. Exactly. Why is it a woman? You that's. <laughs> That's the next book. That's the next book. Why? Oh, I'm just teasing. Um, that was a joke, people who want to come attack me. It's a good one. I like that. You're, that's how, you're so witty. I know. I it's never, true. No okay, one ever made so that good. joke. So you're looking at so the menu. So looking at the menu. We're mm-hmm. having difficulties with men in our lives. Like, you know, every other right. freaking woman. Um, right. And Not then, me, well, exactly. <laughs> the, Move along. The ones that are stuck um, yeah. Yeah, in that orientation. And okay. so— my sister's saying, I wish there was. A, I wish we could just make a menu. We could just choose a man, you know, mm-hmm. make a man. Uh, mm-hmm. Choose the noodles, choose, uh, you know, no intimacy issues and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, very comfortable with powerful women mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And we start laughing. We're like, oh, yeah, there should be a guidebook, like how to be a man. And then I say, and a woman should write it because men are always telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. We all laugh. And then I just have this, you know, sort of light bulb moment. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that's a book that, that I should write. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm writing the book, I'm reporting, I'm researching, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to men about this topic. The entire framework of the book actually changed. So the idea I had at Spicy Ramen was how to be a man, a woman's guide. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was a sex chapter. There mm-hmm. was like, stop doing this. We hate mm-hmm. when you do that. It sounds like Cosmopolitan and, magazine. Well, it was, but kind of like a woke right. version that right. was, you know, again. Not thin thighs in 30 days, right? Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, but again, as I'm talking to men, I'm realizing oh, wow, you are hurting us Mm -hmm. because you are hurting. Mm -hmm. And I started basically approaching the entire conversation. Why did you come to that? It's an interesting thing because I think that all the time. I have two sons. Uh, Of course. Uh, Yeah, so I know a lot about that. Right. But but go ahead. ahead. Not that men are victims, but let's go through. Explain your thinking on that. Well, the patriarchy hurts everybody, right? Right. And that's something that Bell Hooks, uh, you know, has been saying for years and has written about, and there's a lot of feminist scholarship about it. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the mainstream conversation around feminism, it's mostly based on this idea of how are women— being hurt by the mm-hmm. patriarchy. How are right. men hurting women? Right. And of course, those things are true, right? You can't find a single woman who's not been right. harassed, assaulted, you know, some form of trauma due to a man in her life. Yep. And that is all real. Mm-hmm. The thing that I didn't know mm-hmm. and didn't understand, having had a mass, you know, an entire academic uh, sort of you know, career, if you want to call it, in gender theory, is that I never read a book about men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was never assigned a course. Well, there's about, how to raise boys. I'm trying. There's yes. been a couple books around parenting because sure. I, I have them all. Right. Um, but when did that sort of come to you? That this idea that we need to protect boys because I think there are so many books out there, and again, there's a mainstream conversation about how we need mm-hmm. to protect girls, right. all the things we need to protect girls from. Right. But there isn't as much of a conversation about how we need to protect boys. Right. And right. we don't Well, if you're looking them, for it, that's, it's not entirely true. Right. There's a lot of parenting things I thought right. very hard about raising men in mm-hmm. in, in uh, 
as you know, my theory is lesbians should raise all the men, yes. but yeah, yeah. I, we can go into that That's later. Um, great idea. They are, they are woke and masculine at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. It's really quite interesting. Not at all of them, I'm teasing. But uh, but I remember thinking about it quite a lot because because right. of, of messaging and how I was thinking of not their pain necessarily, but how could they be better men, yeah. essentially. And you know what's interesting about same-sex couples? I date women and came out as queer while I was writing the book, and mm-hmm. I learned the most about men when mm-hmm. I started dating women. <laughs> I learned so much about the shit, basically, <laughs> that I had, you know, the predetermined roles that I was bringing into, the power dynamics I was bringing into um, my relationships. I interviewed this therapist um, for the book, and I said, what's the number one problem that women have in relationships with men in, in straight couples? And they say, oh, they they don't, you know, they're not assertive enough. They're not, mm-hmm. They don't say what they need. And I said, what's the number one thing, problem for men? Um, and then it's basically that they try and fix. Mm-hmm. They don't listen. Um, so when their female partner comes to them with an issue, they're they're constantly trying to fix it for her. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't need them to fix it for her. She mm-hmm. just needs them to listen. Right. And then I asked, you know, gay men. She said it's it's a lot of internalized homophobia mm-hmm. and all of that is really difficult in those relationships. And then I asked, what about you know, gay women. Uh, and she said, those are actually the easiest couples <laughs> because it's just personality issues. Right. There's no, and again, this is not to say that there are no issues in uh, lesbian couples at oh, all. Oh, there are. Yes. <laughs> but it's pretty interesting that when you have two women, uh. you don't, you know, th- there's something interesting that happens where you don't have this patriarchal internalized idea of what masculinity is and what mm-hmm. femininity is. Yeah. And and I didn't realize until I went on this chivalry diet and yeah, I started just dating in, in a different way, mm-hmm. how much of these power dynamics were corrupting my own relationships, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't saying what I needed because, you know, the guy was, I don't know, paying for the check. And Mm -hmm. as a radical feminist who grew up in a feminist household, I never thought that these things were affecting me, but they were. Right. Okay. So you decided to write this book. You decided to do it. So when we get back, we're going to talk about how you did it, because what's really interesting is how people go through uh, their process. You do Mm -hmm. a lot of research here. I was was expecting a very different book. Oh, So, so, you know, because a lot of these books. Of course. Sure. You know. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I am extremely data-focused. Mm-hmm. I love— So uh, let's, when we get back, yes. we'll talk about that and more. We're here with Liz Plank. She's a journalist who wrote a new book. She works for Vox Media. It was a new book called For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity. She is going to define mindful masculinity to me and toxic masculinity when we get back after a quick break. Support for the show comes from Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, and more. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes, buy all the stocks in a theme as is, or customize to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It will be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. We're here with Liz Plank. She is a Vox Media journalist who also uh, has written a new book called For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity. 
All right. So you're here you're interested in this idea. Uh, it's, is it a guidebook? Would you call it a guidebook for men or how would you? I don't – I think it's a it's a resource. Right. Um, it's a tool. And mm-hmm. what I tell a lot of women – you know, I've had criticism from You're aiming everyone. it at men. Uh, I'm aiming it at men. And I was told no man was going to read this book um, by several publishers. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of men are buying it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really – created this book so that women can give it to the men in their lives so mm-hmm. that they don't have to do the emotional labor mm-hmm. um, that so many mm-hmm. women are doing in their relationships with men. Um, so it's a it's a, it's a a place to start and build your own, you know, conversation a- around masculinity. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg right. because, yes, we talk about raising boys in, in parenting um, books. And there is, you know, not to say that no one has ever talked about masculinity. But what I found is that there's a lot more comfort Mm-hmm. Right, talking about how we raise girls free from gender. There's and a lot of relationship books free. too. There's a ton sure, of relationships. But but one thing, you know, a perfect example is when I give talks. I'll often start the talk by saying, you know, who here has ever told their daughter that she can do anything that a boy can do? Mm-hmm. And everyone proudly raises their hand. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 2019. A lot of parents are proud to say, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage her to go into engineering, to coding, um, and be like quote unquote a badass. Right? Mm-hmm. It makes her a badass to do those manly mm-hmm. kind of traditional things. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, who here has told their son that he can do anything that a girl can? do and then suddenly i have you well there so yeah. in what way what, what kind say of you can't because you're not good enough no <laughs> <I don't. laughs> maybe try. you can try hard and perhaps you'll achieve the heights of right. fantastic that i'm at no yes. I, I but a lot of parents time. aren't do, you must notice it a right. lot of parents are uncomfortable with that i mean i spoke to parents who were extremely progressive mm-hmm. and were saying oh yeah my daughter i want her to be a big feminist and mm-hmm. using you know the word feminist and then Oh, you know, my son was holding a bouquet of flowers, and you know, I told him, "Don't do that." You know, you, and they they think that they're protecting them. Well, it's interesting because when you run into it, it's an interesting question because several different times. There's two things I focus on. My kids. One is understanding of their position, which mm. I don't want to guilt them either. At the same time, there can be a lot of too much of that. Yeah. Um, but I do like was walking with one of my sons, who's both of my sons are quite tall and big. Um, mm. So we used a, a very tall and big donor, um, mm. and they were we were walking down the street, and I kept looking behind me, and my my son was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, well, I could get raped or yeah. could, like I'm watching for my safety. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, you don't even think of it. Like every right. day of your life, you can walk around pretty right. certain you're not going to get attacked. Right. You know, it's not in your calculation. Right. You might get attacked, but it was it was an interesting thing. And I said, mm. you got to realize other people don't have the experience right. you do walking through the world. And I thought it was a good moment. And then the other time is when, uh, when, he, when my youngest son was uh, in school and he liked the color pink. He did, mm. you know, and he did. And then he didn't. And we lived in San Francisco, very progressive school, and I was fascinated. And I wasn't, like, made that big a deal of it. But I, what was interesting to me was tracking how pervasive society cha- mm. sh- shifts. And I tried everything, like, mm. India loves the color pink and orange, mm. you know. And you should like it if you like it. And I mm. saved the hat, actually, which is interesting. The hat he used to like to wear that yeah. was pink. And it was interesting. And I didn't particularly want—if he didn't want to wear it, I wasn't going to make him wear it or yeah. make, a, make a social point about it with him right. or, or bang him over the head with it. But it was really fascinating to watch—or we can't watch princess videos anymore. We can't do this. And it was really fascinating. Right. And I was like, where are you getting these? messages mm-hmm. because I'm not giving I'm not giving mm-hmm. you any messages at all. Exactly. I wasn't even doing the other ones. Yeah. And so it was fascinating. And then once right. you put them on, they would like them. Oh, totally. Which was interesting. And and that's where this conversation gets interesting, right? So we talk to boys and say, don't be the aggressor, don't be the perpetrator of, right. of violence. <laughs> and the vast majority of perpetrators of violence in America and across the world are male. Yeah. The vast majority of victims 
of violence are also male, Mm -hmm. right? So there's don't be the perpetrator and don't be violent. Mm -hmm. But the thing that we don't often acknowledge is how there's violence between men, Mm -hmm. um, that men— when they are dealing with pain, don't only hurt women in, in, in their lives. We know that, you know, the single greatest threat to a pregnant woman is basically her male partner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of domestic violence that happens towards women. There's also a lot of, in, uh, of violence that happens against other men. Mm-hmm. And then it's men hurting themselves, right? We have a just horrific uh, suicide epidemic happening in this country. And we have that suicide epidemic that's happening in the worst way in places in you know, in Trump's America, right? Mm-hmm. In places where we're seeing particularly white men, mm-hmm. you know, want to elect the man that they feel like they can't be anymore. This mm-hmm. idealized masculinity, right? Of this guy who's rich and sleeps with porn stars and is this tough, you know, alpha masculine, mm-hmm. hyper-masculine sort of symbol. Um, and so I find that the point of entry into these conversations has often been that masculinity is the problem. And I am more interested in a conversation where masculinity is a solution, Mm -hmm. where we can have conversations about, yes, don't be a danger to other people, but also how are you collateral damage Mm -hmm. in this patriarchal masculinity world. I want to put a pin in the idea that men are victims because they're not comparably. And I don't want to like harp on that, but it's the the dangers are much higher for women in terms of suicide and and things like that. But, uh, and and also especially stuff online, you know, the effect of constant online bullying and things like that. But men suffer from it absolutely the same thing. But let's talk a little bit about the idea of, and we'll get to Me Too and stuff like that in a second. But, okay, so the idea of masculinity, you have toxic masculinity and you have mindful masculinity. Yes. Define those for me. So I had the word toxic masculinity 174 times in my book. And I, 10 days before my book went to print, my daughter was super thrilled that I came to her and I said, I want to take out the word toxic masculinity out of the book. And she said, no way. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I need to do it because I had this conversation with David Hogg um, mm-hmm. that I was uh, this is really lucky. Exactly. The the leader of the, you know, w- one of the leaders of, of the Parkland movement. And so I asked him, what was the connection between toxic masculinity and gun violence? And he mm-hmm. looked at me and he said, I don't think you should use that word. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what? And he said, I know what you mean when you use that word, mm-hmm. but they don't know what you mean when you use right. that word. Pointing to, you know, this idea of the Something's people who wrong actually with you. need to. Something's wrong Exactly. With you. And the people who under who are not afraid of that word probably don't even need this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who actually do need this book and who are doing the most harm either to others or to themselves um, will be turned off by that book because of all of the propaganda that's out there. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to come up with, with a positive term and frame this conversation again in, in, in a positive way, in the way that we frame the conversation around you know, feminism in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't say you have to- there's something toxic about your feminine about the way that you're a woman. We said well, you, some people do. Some, oh oh yes, and there are please yeah. Uh, yeah women are. I mean this is a whole other part of this conversation of how women also you know I interviewed Tommy Laren, I interviewed some conservatives and how oh, they God. sort of play into all of this. So women are not necessarily. I was on a, I was on a show with her. Which show? I, I did a favor for Steve Hill. Did you black Fox. out? Do you remember? I, li- I wanted to reach across. I was thinking, I'm going to go full lesbian on this lady. Just going to say, I, I'm not getting oh into God. it. <laughs> Besides her being just dumb, like that was that was most offensive yeah. part. But the the st- I just was like, I'm, I was like, I'm going to kill you, Steve Hill. I really was mad at Steve Hill. You didn't know you were going to be on with no, her. No, it just was. Wow, like, get off. That's fun. I, like, I mean, you two in a room. I, and I, I gave her the death stare, okay. which I think she's. I don't Felt. know. Who knows? Um, she had a lot to say. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, um, yeah, toxic masculinity. Little Tammy Lauren. Tommy, I know. Tommy. Actually, there's a typo in the book where she's called Tom, um, oh. and that was uh, not on purpose. That'd but be great if that happened. She decided a lot of, to, yeah. to 
to change. Change. Oh, be, that would be, be interesting. That would be a great story. That would be a great story. Yeah. That'd anyway, be, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Sorry. So anyway, uh, you know, no toxic masculinity. Change. I was like, we need a better term. So I prefer the word idealized masculinity because mm-hmm. I think that it is we're approaching again this conversation in the same way that we approach feminism, where we say, you have taken on a lot of these assumptions or these roles that you might want to keep, right? I love pink. I'm wearing pink right now. I'm going to keep that, even though I probably was thrown, you know, this color in a million different ways as a child. I'm, I'm going to keep on to that. Do I want to hold on to the fact that I'm constantly doubting myself in meetings and that I'm not asking for a promotion or that I mm-hmm. feel insecure? I don't want to hold on to that. So I think that it's the same conversation that we need to have with men. I think a lot of men engage in bad behavior that they don't want to engage in. And one of the ways that this really came across for me is Michael Kimmel does a million talks around the country, talks to so many different men about this. And he does this sort of exercise with them where he says, what's a good man? Just throw out things. So they start saying, you know, standing up for the little guy, Mm -hmm. being, you know, protecting the people that I love and being Mm -hmm. there for the people that I love, being dependable, being loyal. And then he says, okay, what's a real man? And that's when they start shouting, get laid, dominate, mm-hmm. you know, get him, win at all costs. These very, right, violent, aggressive definitions of being a man. Mm-hmm. And what really came across for me about when, when I heard that exercise was there are a lot of men who want to be good, but they are corrupted by a society that rewards them when they're bad. Well, it's interesting because, you, you know, when you talk to, you know, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley and others, I was just with one when they were talking about some stuff. And I think a lot of, when we did the Ellen Powell coverage, which was really interesting, is every woman who, we did a heavy amount of coverage on mm-hmm. Recode, which I thought was critically important. Yeah. But most of the women, all of them had a story, eight stories of sexual harassment, mm-hmm. some of them very minor, some of them, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a sliding scale of awful, essentially. Right. And yeah. all of the men came up to me and said, I had no idea. And I, that's terrible. Like, they wanted to do something in a mm-hmm. meeting and then didn't have the tools. Yeah. So it was, and I sort of was like, this is really interesting. Yeah. Why don't these good, I call them mm-hmm. good men, know? Mm-hmm. And why did these women not tell them? And why don't they ask? And yeah. it was a whole, like, it well, was you know really what, You know why? Because patriarchy is a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> patriarchy is, it tells you, this is what you're going to get if mm-hmm. you ascribe to all of these, you know, d- you know, ideals and these behaviors. And then you're going to get rewarded for that. 1% of men do. Right. Donald Trump became president, mm-hmm. being the most vile version of being of, of, of what a man can be in, in our society. Did Sean Spicer get rewarded? No. Did Scaramucci, right, in his little green top on Dancing with the Stars? It truly it is remarkable. And, you know, I really want to— happy, though. I, he, I don't know. Do you think he's happy? He looked happy. I was trying to he figure it out. I was like, should I mock him or— Right, no one knew what to do because it's so. To me, it's so sad. And and he, he was a res- he was a respected uh, figure. I mean, in the Republican Party, and he, isn't he like used to be in the army? He's just really had this stature. Maybe not amongst progressives, but in the political world. Yeah. And now he's on Dancing with the Stars with yeah. Miranda from the Office. Like she's not even like the best accountant on the Office. Yeah, it's just it's really um, to me that I'm is. I'm limb. I think he looked good. But go ahead. Go ahead. He, he did. Um, it must help to not work. Was, yeah, in way. the worst place on earth. Good dancing. Um, and and I, you know, wanted this book to be have an intersectional I like perspective. Anyone that you did you like? Did you watch him dance? No, I just like anyone who tries to dance. I'm I'm with down with. Anyone and you don't want to do a TikTok with me? No. You're killing me. No, I like You're watching me. dancing. Anyway, okay. move along. You're never going to get me dancing publicly. <laughs> anyway, I don't believe in public <laughs> dancing. <laughs> it's, this is a version of Footloose at Vox uh, Media. I love so it. what you could veer into though is being. 
mocked for the idea of, like, woke masculinity, which can be, you know, Seattle or San Francisco, mm-hmm. a very, you know, a very, like, woke bro, but isn't really woke. You oh, know, yeah. that kind of thing of, like, oh. I like the, you know. Mm-hmm. what? It, that's hard to do. And then on the other side, you have sort of the Jordan Peterson angle of, yeah. like, what that is. That's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. And and, and then there's the, there was there was the men's movement where they would go and be manly with mm-hmm. each other. And so, so there's all kinds of conflicting things. But I think at the very heart of it, when I think about diversity, you know, when people talk about this, is it's not just women that are being impacted. It's people of color and men who don't want to behave like mm-hmm. that but are forced into the behavior in yes. a lot of ways. And I was always thinking of those men because I was like not as the most important part of the equation of fixing it, mm. but that it was like there's a lot of men you're leaving out of, of the techie image and stuff like that, at least. Right. I mean, you know what's so interesting is that I dated those, uh, you know, guys who wear this is what a feminist looks like t-shirt and yeah. get all the high fives <laughs> on Instagram um, and then treat you like shit in private, right? And so <laughs> that was really you an important— date anyone who wears I mean, t-shirt. now I know. Okay. I learned the hard way. Okay. And you know what would have been great? Um is instead of promoting how much of an ally he is to the women in his life Mm -hmm. um, and getting cookies for that, if he had examined his own masculinity Mm -hmm. and the way that he, again, I mean, this is like private, but Mm -hmm. he would, you know, feel a need to control and Mm -hmm. and manipulate. And, you know, he acted kind of almost like as a manager Mm -hmm. um, in my life. And that's because he needed to be in in control of of, of what I was doing in order Mm -hmm. to feel like a man. Um, He needed to be in in control of our finances um, because he needed to feel like a man. You know what? You know, him wearing a This Is What A Feminist t-shirt looks like did not remarkably make my life better. Mm -hmm. Um, But him examining how gender has impacted him. And this is really, again, a lot of people might say, well, you're putting all this attention on men. Men are not victims. Why are you doing this? Women are suffering. Why are you putting all the attention on Who get all the attention? So I think that they get the attention in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. They are getting the attention when they do horrible things. And there's this horrible, you know, when you look at Jordan Peterson, Tucker Carlson, there's this, I mean, young men are lining up for Jordan Mm -hmm. Peterson. Mm -hmm. He is the most best-selling Canadian author of Mm -hmm. all time. Mm -hmm. Do you know who else is Canadian? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Margaret Atwood, he has sold more books than them combined. Wow. That is staggering. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where I'm interested in, are, do you think that men who fall prey to the alt-right, to mm-hmm. people like Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. and he's who are the in their basement— He's not the alt-right. He's, I mean, he, he, people in the alt-right thinks he's— yes, right? It's like that Trump is, is not the alt-right, but alt-right like he's him. Um, do you think that those young, isolated men, right, that even Steve Bannon admitted to this, mm-hmm. right, that's how he built Breitbart. He used to work at a video game company, and he said, these isolated young yes. men, we need to capitalize on them. Yes. They're on There's the internet. They're looking, and yes, they're looking for meaning and for purpose. It gets, and eventually gets to incels. It, exactly. Like do you think that those men are victims? Because I would argue that they are. Uh, okay. Uh, victims, I don't know. I, I think, unlike other people, I take the time to read Jordan yes. Peterson. So I see the appeal. Like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing the appeal of Donald Trump. I yes. see the appeal right. in lots of ways. And I try—I'm not trying to be empathetic yeah. to the people who vote for him. That's because yeah. I think they're wrong yeah. in many ways. But I—in all ways, almost. Because um, yeah. they like to do an a la carte version of this right. man. You don't have—nobody is a la carte, as far as I can tell. Um, can I tell you when mm-hmm. I knew— Donald Trump was going to get elected. Mm-hmm. This is also a Vox mm-hmm. start. So I went to one of his last rallies in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. with Vox only to talk to women. Seven out of ten women had an unfavorable view of Donald Trump. And we mm-hmm. kept parading that statistic over and over again on cable news and everything. So I, I asked women voting for Trump. I said seven out of ten women have an unfavorable view mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. What would you tell the women to vote for him? And this one woman looked at me and she said, I think that seven out of ten women have an unfavorable view of a lot of men. <laughs> yeah. 
And that yeah. didn't make me sad for women. It made me sad for men. Right. And that's when I knew our standard for men was is low. so low right. that we are going to elect, yeah. again, the most vile version. And if we had a higher standard, if we had a positive conversation around masculinity, maybe we would recognize that most men want that too. Well, it was interesting when the pussy stuff came out. Um, what was interesting about that is I remember all the uh, all my friends, most of whom were quite feminist and somebody, uh, not all of them, but uh, was, uh, were like, we're going to get them on this. I'm like, no, no, don't attack mm. on this one. And I was like, be careful of how you attack because you're telling women who have shitty boyfriends that they're stupid, like That's for putting up with point. it. And I was like, don't yeah. you're insulting women mm. have put up with a lot of shit right. and they continue to and that's yeah. a whole ball of wax yes. we have to unravel in yes. this society but for sure you're not attacking him because he doesn't mm. care but these women do that's and it was interesting point. it was interesting anyway yeah. when we get back we're going to talk more about uh, what mindful masculinity means when we get back with Liz Plank who has a new book on the topic we're here with Liz Plank she is a journalist at Vox Media uh, it's a new book called the For the Love of Men, A New Vision of Mindful Masculinity. I think we all sort of know what toxic masculinity looks like with the mm-hmm. Me Too. So you, you cover the Me Too. Where are we with that now from your perspective? Oh, my gosh. Um, we Men are, feel under siege, I can tell I you. think they do. Um, and look, I, I think this is an incredible movement. It has made such a difference personally in my mm-hmm. life, personally in my family, um, and women that I know who are survivors. And I want this movement to keep growing. I also want this movement to be gender neutral. Mm-hmm. So I've been in rooms, I've been in, you know, rooms, I literally went to a Time's Up um, amazing dinner. And like every other feminist event, <laughs> Uh, there's a room full of women who are incredible and, and magical and who are saying incredibly important things. And then there's two guys in the back of the room that we thank at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And we say, and thank you to the male allies in the room. And it's, you know, some guys, some person's boyfriend and then like a cousin. And they go, thumbs up. And then we go, take it to the guys. And then they go, sure. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good strategy. That doesn't sound like an effective way to reach men. Yeah. Um, and so that is also what was part of the reason for writing the book, because mm-hmm. I just I just was looking in, inside these rooms and I said, we get it. Mm-hmm. We totally get it. We're actually, it's actually insulting mm-hmm. to have to go on cable news over and over and over again, or to go on panels over and over and over again, and for women to waste their time and energy explaining why sexism is bad mm-hmm. and why we all have experienced harassment or assault or a mm-hmm. version of this. So I want this to be gender neutral because I think that, first of all, uh, again, a lot of people who are not women are are, are victims. There are gender non-binary people who are victims, trans people who are more likely to be victims who are victims. There are men who are victims. I think Terry Crews, for example, talking about his experience uh, as a survivor and an his actor, experience— an agent. Exactly, in the industry. And again, this power, these power dynamics it was incredibly important— but if you notice, there were a lot of men who were very uncomfortable with what he said, mm-hmm. and particularly because he is this sort of symbol of alpha, alpha masculinity. Right. And so he, you know, you can look it up. I, I don't want to name names because I'm over that. But there are many very famous men who have gone on the record hu- humiliating him for doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I think we need to examine that. Right. That is uh, extremely important. So what, anyway, from the, the men yeah. victims thing, is the idea of how you make a— um, a mindful because the word mindful is certainly loaded. Yeah. Um, the yeah. second part is that who are you aiming at? Because one of the things that I think should be has been um, 
critical of not you necessarily, but sure. like a lot of white ladies telling mm-hmm. men how to act. You know yes. what I mean? Like this is not oh, a, yes. it's not a mixed, oh. uh, this is not a, there are racial lines, mm. there are uh, all kinds of gender Absolutely. lines, there are age lines, Absolutely. there's stuff like that. And, and part of, I think the criticism of the Me Too you know, movement, again, this, you know, or of the conversation that we have around sexual assault is this sort of punitive, right? Mm-hmm. This this idea that if you put all these men in prison, we're going to somehow solve the problem, which mm-hmm. women of color, people of color know that that is, you know, we're not, we're not achieving in any way a better society. If we put more people in jail, we actually need to get people out of there. And so I, I agree. That's a, you know, white women tend to perhaps not have women. And wealthy then there's white women. The whole, there's a whole rich and poor gap Absolutely. Too. And and that's why, you of know. All, it, of all colors. Absolutely. And that's that's why I really wanted this book to be intersectional. It, it's absolutely uh, vital that this conversation starts from an intersectional perspective. I have these uh, vignettes uh, across the book with men who, quote unquote, don't fit into the definition of idealized masculinity. I start with Thomas Page McBee, who's an incredibly thoughtful writer and author on all things masculinity, who happens to be trans. I have uh, an interview with a DRC Charrington, who is gay, black, in a wheelchair, at the intersection of all these different identities. I also interviewed um, uh, my friend Nico, who is actually um, indigenous, and Mm -hmm. he talks about this cross-violence, right, that indigenous men are not benefiting from any of the rewards of the patriarchy. And he talks about how even— Indigenous women are probably the most— Yes, marginalized. And and indigenous men are actually experiencing higher levels of violence from white women, too, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of reproductive, uh, you know, sort of freedom. And that's why, again, this conversation, not just around the Me Too, around abortion rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've challenged men who are running for president to say how they have benefited from abortion rights or reproductive justice in this country because Mm -hmm. we can be sure that there's a man standing on that stage, Mm -hmm. who is able to stand on that stage because his partner was able to space, they were able to space how many children they want and and, and space them according to their lives. And so we've had Wendy Davis, we've had Jackie Spear, we've had female politicians go publicly with incredibly private and vulnerable stories of their own abortions. And where are the stories— Mike Sally, excuse me. Yes, there you go. So where are the stories about men? Why aren't they—you know, if if the right to choose has benefited millions of women— Unless one guy did all of that, mm-hmm. um, it's also benefited millions of men. And so I think that we really benefit, everyone benefits from making this conversation around feminism, gender equality, Me Too, sexual assault, abortion, to really making these conversations gender neutral. You know, here we have a president that's just like the ad I mean, for a narcissistic Yeah, he's a poster child. A poster, nar- yeah. And, and toxic masculinity is not even enough to encompass what's happening there. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Donald Trump— had gone to therapy. <laughs> Never. The entire no, world would be different, I don't think, I think it's possible. What if his father had gone to therapy? I, right? I think narcissism is hard to, and bordering on um, I mean, sociopathy. Sure. Right? So sure. I don't think it's—I think there's— some people are just bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad people. And, bad, and we were, but bad we still rewarded. cannot get there. And it's not a function yeah. of age or anything else. I think it's a function of— some people mm. are. But that's still the model, right? right. That he was no, able to get really away with it because he was rewarded. So what does that yeah. say? Like here you have a book talking about mindful masculinity and the person who's running our country is mindful. It would not be the first word that would pop to mind. Sure, sure. Um, I think that as in many respects, not just in terms of masculinity and gender, in mm-hmm. terms of obviously his positions on uh, race, on 
I mean, trans issues, sexual orientation, I mean, everything that he stands for and against is giving us a really good backdrop about, uh, you know, where we want to go as a society. So it's not him. Like, everyone's always like, right. he's, about, like he's not the problem. Right. He's, you know, you put a mirror to, like, that's what it looks like mm. for whatever group you marginalized mm. community you happen to be in. Mm. And, and I know I get the, oh, everyone's whining, but— one of the things I talk about with tech a lot is yeah. the reason why Twitter isn't safe is because the people who designed mm-hmm. it never were unsafe. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's a right. very simple, right. not men or women, the people who designed it never unsafe. Right. They happened, to, and, and right. then let us look at the statistics yeah. of these companies. Do you know what we have to do then? We have to talk about trickle-down dickonomics, right? We have to talk about you coming back. Yes. You can You can attribute that to I me. I really can't um, believe you just say <laughs> It is, right? It is trickle. We know about trickle-down economics, right? That the rich want to implement these policies. He's yeah. making the poor think that they're going to get something out of it. They mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump wants you to think that his model of masculinity is the model that men, you will get rewarded if you act this way. You don't, right? We have now— yeah, they, they all I mean, get arrested. Everyone that they, works for They're going to get arrested. Giuliani's next. I mean, truly. Um, well, we're going to see that House of Cards fall apart. But No, he, just Giuliani. I don't know about Trump. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to try and make predictions. Right. Um, but we will all be watching this. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about how these policies, again, coming back to—I mean, this is dying of whiteness, right, Jonathan? Metzl's entire book is about this, about the ways that all of us are hurt by these policies by Trump. But white men are particularly really hurting as a result of these policies. So if you look at, again, the case of suicide, the case of of men's life expectancy, right? Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson and these alt-right movements are built. I mean, I see it in my all of my mentions. They say feminism is not necessary. Men don't live as long as women. Do you know why men don't live as long as women? Because we don't live in gender equal societies because of the patriarchy. If you go to Iceland, it's the uh, place in Europe, the country in Europe that has the smallest gendered life expectancy. So men actually live longer in societies that are gender equal. Men live longer in feminist societies. You know what the antidote to male suicide is? Women working. Mm-hmm. So across history, when we've looked at economic downturns, when we looked at recessions, when we look at when things are bad, there's a direct correlation with men unfortunately committing suicide and dying from suicide because if your only thing, the only thing that you're good at in society is being the provider, which is, by the way, still the definition. You mm-hmm. ask every man, you can ask your male producer, mm-hmm. that's the number one thing that they say because they don't have anything else to say, mm-hmm. which makes me so sad, right? Why is that the only thing that you think that you have purpose in life for? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just had a discussion with my son about this. I was, he's more comfortable being not the provider. Was really oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. What did he say? He's like, I'd make an excellent wife. I said, you would. He's I a great cook. That. He's a great— <laughs> See? And I said, don't deserve a wife. You make an excellent husband. Yes, you know I mean? there you Which go. Which is interesting. See? He but says my wife. Other, yeah. my other son, interestingly, was talking about that men die sooner. This is—and I am trying to get him to the—he's just joined the debate club, which I think will be mm. interesting for him to understand how to argue properly. Yeah. But one of the things is, why don't you think that is? Like, what do you think the reasons are? It's right. not physical well, necessarily. I laid, yeah, I laid out in, in, in the book because I, again, see it in all my mentions. And so I, I invested— oh, they die, it. so we should not worry about <laughs> it. That's the payment at the end. And, and no. then those that don't die yes. lose their um, End up on Dancing with the yeah, Stars. No, no, yeah. but they lose— um, <laughs> Not estrogen. Um, testosterone. Test- you lose men yes. lose testosterone and women kind of gain. It. Yes, I mean <laughs> so testosterone becomes equal. Yeah. Yes, and there's so yeah. many lies about testosterone. Testosterone. There's hardly any studies. Again, coming back to the ne- right. the need for a positive conversation around masculinity, I could hardly find any studies that were had a positive framing about the benefits of, of testosterone. All of the academic research, or the vast majority of it, is focused on what how it makes you lie more, how it makes you steal more, how it makes you more violent. Testosterone does make you seek status. Mm-hmm. So there is. This this thing where testosterone is correlated with m- basically people who have it uh, seeking more status. 
it is not correlated with violence. Mm -hmm. If you take out testosterone out of a a sex offender, if you literally cut his penis off, Mm -hmm. um, he's not uh, more likely to to, to not go out and and rape again. Mm -hmm. There are, there's a wealth of research and data out there, and we have so many lies about men in our society that we need to Well, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of pop science around it. And and then just the narrative, the narratives around men, which is really interesting. And I I find it, one thing I will push back is I don't think it goes away. I think people, Mm. this narrative is the probably the strongest, yes. uh, except for hating the other um, and being f- uh, fear-based mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, humanity, this narrative between men yeah. and women is quite oh, intractable. Yes, and that's why it's so important for us to have this conversation, to dispel the myth that there's a gender war, that it's not m- women versus men. Mm-hmm. And I was always... I, I believed in that. That's um, because it's I, Billie I, Jean King, Bobby Riggs. They, everything sure. plays into oh, it. Everything. It, it does, but we have created those differences, right? right. Gender is actually made up, um, and sex even is, sure, biological, but it's a spectrum, too. We, If you look, and again, coming back to data, and people can dig into it if they read the book, but if you look at us as children— the brain is a unisex organ, Absolutely. right? We are actually fundamentally very similar. There's more differences amongst you and me as women mm-hmm. than there are between a man and a woman in our society if you generalize those differences. Right. We create those differences, for right. sure. We give a lot of importance to gender. Mm-hmm. What's the first question that you ask someone when they tell you they're pregnant, right? Oh, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Mm-hmm. Um, right? We had these gender reveals parties, which are insane. Why and do so, straight people do that? Oh, you're not um, straight No, anymore. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. I know, I'm not. So, But I can take responsibility uh, for— I don't even <laughs> I'm just about to have another baby, so— my, yes, my girlfriend's pregnant. But, Stop! And I, it is a girl. But nonetheless, here's the deal. That's so exciting. I, th- th- they were like, you're going to have a gender reveal. I'm like, what even is yeah. that? You, you know what I Lesbians had? I had no a, time I for know, that. Of course. Like, I had a genre reveal party, book mm-hmm. party. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ever going to have a kid, you know, right. so I needed to bank in all of the right. attention. I'm having all the kids. <laughs> you, so you, you are. For have them for me. Perfect. <laughs> um, I can come in over and babysit. I love lots of kids. <laughs> and talk about masculinity right. with right. them. Right. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're obsessed with gender. We, we really, if, if you meet someone and you can't figure out if they're a woman or, or a man, you're going to think about it. Yeah, you're going to keep thinking about it. There's a lot of kids in San Francisco who dress differently. And it definitely bothers, even in San Francisco, it bothers people, which is interesting. Oh, my God, Even though it's much more easier to do that, it's still, you can see discomfort. Um, The other part is the, uh, when you do have kids, there, there are... I, I think about this nature versus it's the nature versus nurture mm. thing be, besides oh, totally. of how we do it. But there is nature things for sure. sure. Absolutely. There's, there's, you know, and I, 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 I hesitate to say it doesn't, there are not differences with aggression with, uh, I don't have a girl yet, so I don't know. Right. We'll see. And I do think, you know, for I happen to be a more aggressive girl. I was yes. when I was little. But it was interesting raising boys because there's definite um, things that I think are nature. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So, so uh, I'm obviously not saying that we're all, you know, that there's no difference between a lot of it is human physical beings. size. I kept thinking like the strength sure. and size. Sure. And stuff. I'm not um, sure. And and yeah, th- those differences absolutely exist. But what we're seeing is that there's a fundamental shift. I mean, you know, and and you, again, this is all in the book, but mm-hmm. psychologists was, wouldn't will, will notice these differences. You know, from from seven or eight years old, um, the way that we again raise boys and girls differently yes. mm-hmm. just really creates these huge differences and. When you examine things and you take away all of, you know, the environment they were raised in and all those differences, like, and one thing I just want to end on, or I don't know if we're ending, but, um, but. So the, the, the gender gap in, in education is a perfect mm-hmm. example. We do have these very big differences in the way that girls perform in school and boys mm-hmm. perform in school. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that gender gap completely disappears? Where? In resource-heavy environments. Mm-hmm. So in rich schools, mm-hmm. uh, boys and girls basically do the same. 
in poorer and more marginalized communities, the gender gap really widens. And so to me, this, again, opens up the importance of having a conversation about how boys need support, mm-hmm. right? There are so many parents who literally believe that giving boys support is bad for them, that you have to roughen, toughen them up, mm-hmm. right? If you give them too much, you're you're coddling them and you're going to make them feminized. feel too safe, right? They're, you know, the Gurian Institute. It's, it's all about feminizing. It, exactly. And we don't love feminine things. This is all rooted in misogyny. And because we don't like, you know, that's why we're more comfortable with girls acting like boys and boys acting like girls, mm-hmm. because we fundamentally believe that what is masculine is superior and more acceptable. And so we have to highlight that. We have to value women in our society. We have to value the feminine and the collaborative, empathetic, these quote-unquote sort of traditional feminine qualities. And we have to let everyone be whoever, can I swear, the fuck they want to be. You've already said dickonomics. (laughs) Yeah, I did, right. Um, So let everyone, I'll never say it again. Don't tell Jim Bankoff I said that. Um, I, I really think, and this is fundamentally, mindful masculinity means consciously approaching your gender. It's like Marie Kondo for your gender. Just go in there, what? see what you want. Yeah, it's, it's, does this spark joy for you? Does this pink top mm-hmm. spark joy? Yes, it does. I want to keep wearing pink. Does, but uh, there are societal pressures. There's a hundred. There's a million. There's a million. But we create them, right? These things we invented and, yes. yes but the larger society, if, if they wear pink, they get, sure. they get shit from but their we've, friends. It's exactly. fascinating. But we've changed those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Girls used to get shit for, you know, doing things that they now can do. Mm -hmm. And we have different role models. We have different movies. We have different books. We need the same thing for boys. We Mm -hmm. need the same thing for everyone. We need everyone to have a full way of expressing themselves in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'll end again. I keep saying I'm going to end. But your questions are so good. So the best way it was was explained to me was by one of the psychologists who did the APA guidelines, who were looking at how we were approaching men in terms of clinicians and psychologists. And he said— Gender is like a Swiss army knife. Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch of tools. You have the knife. You have the magnifying glass. You have the corkscrew. And it's not—this conversation around masculinity is not about taking away Mm -hmm. some of the tools. It's about adding more, Mm -hmm. giving more ways for boys to express other things than through aggression and violence. I think that boys end up, to your point, showing more aggression and violence because that's the only way that they can really express themselves. A lot of grown men— Are you, how are you feeling? They're either angry or not angry. Mm-hmm. There's not sad, yeah, disappointed. They get, they, they get fewer emotions. And that's, you know, to say that men are inherently less uh, emotional, have less of a desire and need yeah. for no. intimacy oh my God. Anyway, is ridiculous. It's crazy. And they're going to find intimacy in ways yeah. that, that they can. And often it means... Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I spe- my boys, it's so funny. Everyone's like, oh, now that your boys are teens, they don't talk to you. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. I wish my boys would talk to me less. No, I don't. Boys, oh, I love it. They're very expressive. Sweet. They're emotionally well, good articulate. good for you. That's but you. I don't find—I I also don't want to quash sort of— uh, their some of their their stuff. I don't want them to have to be anything. No, like we try very hard. Absolutely. Like, I, no, like you pick. Like yes. you pick what you, you want. You be you. I mean, th- I'm not. But this, it's hard for them for sure. It's when hard. My, yeah. When any of them cry, they they definitely have a problem with it. Um, mm. We're not a crying family, particularly. I believe that. <laughs> but we're relatively. Uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting question when you get forward. But it's it's yeah. well worth reading and knowing Thank about. You. It's an interesting book. Um, I was surprised by it. I thought it would be more pop. You know, I'm not a big pop science oh, person. I don't like pop Same. Science. But it. uh, it's really worth reading. It's Thank an interesting you. book. I'm going to see if I can get my sons to read it. We'll see. The color on the, I'm not sure the color on the book will work for them. Really? Yellow and blue? No, it's so not. So gender neutral. It has, no, it's not. It's not. Really? No. Or should it be dark, like black? No, um, I don't know. And say like, I don't know, you know how they market those uh, body washes to men by putting like steel and like all these Trust me, words. We, I just was going for, <laughs> so for like one of the old spice ones. Yes. I'm like, where do they come? Wolf it's, Bane. I know, yes. 
Like what? It's it's they they make fun of it. My sons oh, are like, oh good. yeah, let's get the wolf bane versus it's ridiculous. The, and then like, ours are you know flirty, curly. Like you know, you're like just give me. <laughs> I'm so. not looking forward to buying clothes for a little girl. I have oh, to say I no because they're all thrilled. horrible. Yeah, they are. I'm gonna dress mm-hmm. her on uh, in just Celine Dion has a gender neutral line. You know, really? there's a lot of that. We just uh, do Megan it. Megan Rapinoe's doing it. There's all yes. kinds of people. Can are you Canadian? That's yeah. right. I'm going to Canada tonight. You are? Yes, I'm going to Toronto. Seriously? Yes. What are you going to do? Live pivot with <laughs> with such a wow. feminine man, Scott Galloway. Not wow. at all. Bring it up. Bring it up. See, We're going bring to up here, there in Toronto. We're doing a live pivot. Okay. We're going to be talking about your friend Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Brown I hope face. you do. What yeah. the heck? <laughs> You'll explain that to me later. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a lot of things um, when we get up there. But we're going to Canada. We're very excited. That's I love great. Canada. Anyway, thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. Uh, this is Liz Karen. Plank. She has written a book called For the Love of Men, A New Vision of Mindful Masculinity. I recommend, despite the word mindful, that you read it. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Liz, for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Eric America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Liz, where can people find you online? They can find me Being gender at, neutral. Uh, yes, gender neutral at Feminist Fabulous. Okay. Um, I'm going to put my glasses you know, on. Take I know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Instagramming while I'm... Uh, All right. Oh. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll take it again. Um, so, Feminist Fabulous on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm Liz Plank on TikTok, you know. Oh, uh, Kara's God. favorite TikTok. app. TikTok. <laughs> Stop the madness. I'm hoping... I'm waiting like 15 minutes till it goes away, so that'll be great. You think? Oh, hello. You're not... You're a young lady, so you don't know how these things how go. How these things go. My space. I mean, nice to meet you. Oh. There's hundreds of these things. Peach. What did that last Pe- day and a half? Oh, yeah. Peach. Peach. I do. Yo. Yo. There were so many, so many, so many. Someday Facebook. We'll see. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. Anyway, thank you, Liz. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Recode Media, Pivot, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. We'll be off next week for the holidays. Not my choice. But on Monday, we'll be sharing an episode of another Vox podcast in this feed. And I think you'll really like it. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have one more episode this year, which will come out on Monday, December 30th. Until then, happy holidays to all of you, and thank you for a wonderful 2019.